the gaming sound of, and be the sound man. of one the sound of one gamer clapping. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> gaming and BS episode three sixteen being recorded Monday, October twenty sixth, twenty twenty. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. And for everyone in the chat, get your uh, get your name in the hat and no. try to guess when Sean's audio is going to drop. <laughs> Show start 826 VC's got a time stamped. Ed, as a matter of fact, I got Demon Grinder is uh, Nola Burt's uh, Hidden Acropolis uh, today. Did you? Stop by. This, is, this kills me. So... VC gets everybody's like, I think Demon Demon Grinder won. And I said, okay. So I hit him up and we were on Discord. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, so give me your address and, uh, you know, I'll send it out. And he gives me his address. And I'm like, okay, he's Madison. Like, he's a local guy. I'm like, all right, all right. Nice. He's like two, two blocks up the street. <laughs> Just walking over, <laughs> putting his mailbox for him. Like, I've, I've walked my dogs past your house. I don't know, 50 times in the last, you know, 12 years. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so funny. We I ran by there this afternoon and dropped it off. We shot the shit for a little while. So so that's a, that's a saved you a stamp is what that did. That's nice. Very He's, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I can't be doing that because we, we. it is inevitable that my audio will drop. It is just a matter of time, but I can't keep giving zines out every time we well, record. Well, how many we got left? I got two... I think I got two. Did I get three or four or five? So I don't know. I think you, I get at you, least two. You have spares. so I have so spares, but I'm going to run right out now, of them. Yeah, but when we run out, then you stop doing it. Yeah. See, there it is. Cheapskate. Right. Um. All right. Virtual Gamehole Con. We talked about that many times. Gamehole That's out there. Announcement, Sean, anything in that space before we jaw about other stuff? Uh, no announcements, no. Um, how did... So, before we go too much for... How was the game, man? I got. I had two games this last week to chat about. So you go first. You go first. Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd. <laughs> the session overall the eye roll, went. The eye roll the, and the head shake is for those of you who don't get a chance to see it. That was worth it right there. So the overall session went really well. Good, it, good. It. I couldn't have asked them to kind of go along with with the flow. Great, but. There is still a weird, there's just a weird dynamic going on. And I, I've talked to a couple people about it and it's just, you know, it, one incident was a person lost the character in session one. We kick off session two. Things are still kind of in a mix. I can't get this character's new or this player's new character in. I'm not going to wait to when I want to. Because these guys are dicking around in in the haunted house. Well, then, then this player's gonna sit there and go, "Boy, really? Yeah, sure I, I don't want her. I, I don't want her sitting kinda, around. I kind of showed up to yeah. play some D and D, asshole. Can I play some D and D, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah." And so I slide her in, and it's in the middle of a combat, and she happens to hear the ruckus, and she comes over and dispatches a couple of beasties, and then the the the, the group meets her and she meets the group and it's you know a lizard man you know a, a gnome uh a human two humans and then it's her and they're all and they're all males right they're all men and her, she's a female halfling and it's like okay no, qu- no question hey let's get out of like, here you look like, like a good adventurer you are no father party oh, it's totally man like 
you guys, I, I even mentioned, I said, now, hold on a second. You don't know these guys at all. They're, they're kind of appeared. Yes, they slaughtered these beasties, but they could be, I mean, you don't know them at all. Like you've run into four people in a basement of a house. And so they just kind of hand waved it and went on their merry way. So I'm like, okay, I get it to now, some degree. There sec- was a little talk. And, but- and it is only session two. So sometimes like we need to get going. Let's just get moving. So, all right, give them that one. That's fine. What's that? What else? Anything else? So I know Joe listens to the show. I think he oh, does. Okay. And I'm going to bust Joe's chops. Do it. So, so Joe's character, I've known Joe for 40 years. Joe, oh, Joe, Joe's one had like a long background. He had a really kick-ass Joe had a long background. He had a pretty decent background. At least Juicy background. You and I talked Juicy. about this offline. It had good stuff in it. Good not stuff. Like, not like over-the-top garbage, but shit as a game master. We go, ooh. Just like, yeah, this is good. His mom and dad, you know, and then names and, you know, he his dad had was missing. Like, he ended up missing. He's a fisherman and ended up disappearing. Nobody knows why. Uh, his mom remarried, blah. Okay. I'm like, perfect. His dad disappeared. I'll have his dad appear in Barovia. Like, there you go. Somehow. So now it's just a matter of dropping that, right? I think with some of us game masters, we're like, ooh, but when do I, when is the opportunity to drop this piece, right? Yeah, because you don't want it to seem forced or stupid. So I got you. Got it. Or yeah. Hey, by the way, you know, like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking down the street in Barovia and there's your dad. No, not not like that. Hi, Junior. Yeah, I got it. So the plan was to have a, a non-player character recognize him or look, have him look familiar. Like, you look familiar. Have we met? Nope. Got it. You know, Joe's guy's like, nope, first time here, stranger, strange land. Nice. You really do look familiar. What's your name? Uh, name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Fast forward, right? They get to the house. They're talking. And the guy who thinks he recognizes him says, ah, it comes to him, right? Boom. Bam. And he says his father's name, Christian. Christian. That's the guy. That's the guy that looks familiar. That looks like you. He's got red hair, real tall, blah, you know? And his name's Christian, and he's from Cry, right? So he's got an a- the NPC has an accent. He gets the the location mixed up. He's like he's from Cry, and, and Joe goes, "I'm from Cry." Like he picks up on the fact that he's mispronouncing the place that he was born or lived. Yes, he's like, "I'm from Cry," and he goes, "Yes, yes, this man from Cry too. His name Christian. He looks like you." Joe, blank face, cricket, chirp, 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 yeah, chirp. crickets, like, right? <laughs> what, the, what, dude, really? Like, Joe, Joe, that's your dad. I'm Joe. like, it's your dad, you freaking doorknob. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh, even Jeff was like, dude, it's just something in your background. He goes, oh, I remember my background. Uh. So, like, how about so? What we need to look at this, Sean, is look at it this way. You as game master were spinning such an amazing tale. They were so immersed in the moment. <laughs> they were taking all of this this Barovian wonder in. They they he, Joe just forgot. He was just overwhelmed. He did and forget, he, yeah, obviously. Because he was overwhelmed. That's no. why. Yes. Lean into that. <laughs> I couldn't. You know, it's it's the one thing you're like, you want that to be like, what? No, no. That's my dad's name. Like, you want to role play it out. Like, what? That's, that's crazy. How do, how do you know? Where is he? When did you see him? I set you up with a softball. All that shit went out the freaking window because you're like, derp. Yeah, it went right down dead center of the plate and just whoosh, right by you. Damn it. 
it was at the end of the hour and I'm like, and that's the game. That's the session. We'll oh, call God. it right here. And then I text them and I'm like, dude, seriously? Ah, you forgot. <laughs> you do any other gaming? <laughs> Harold did Harold did well though. I like Harold. Good. Harold good, got good, the baby. Good. Oh, he did get the baby? Oh, he got the baby. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep, yep. Uh, anyways, yeah. So that I don't want to go into like the whole thing about my game and everything. Brett, w- 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 everything going well on the gaming front for? Yeah, Tuesday I kicked off my return to uh, my return to Greyhawk game uh, with my home my usual group. We start on Tuesdays. It's first edition AD in Greyhawk. We rolled up characters. Um, I decided to be really nice, and uh, after everyone, I'm like, they said, should we roll hit points? I'm like, yeah, let's see what happens. And in my head, I'm like, I'll give them maximum hit points if this if they just can't roll dice. Two, one, three. Because only three of the guys show up. I'm like, yeah, start with max hit points. You poor fucking thieves are all going to die. So two thieves and a cleric walk into a bar is basically the story. And uh, it went to one of my classic things I like to do to open up. It went from you're in the tavern. Things are happening. It's kind of cold and wintry. Then there's a siege of the tavern. There's NPCs to interact with. There's a mage. Oh, my. What were you bothering me for? I can't. I have no time for any of you people. So they deal with the mage. They deal with this weird little dude. This necromancer, some zombies. They realize how hard zombies hit and the fact that if they roll for shit, they're all dead. It was good. It was a really good game. Everyone had a lot of fun. They liked the interaction, the fact that it... Um, a couple of guys, Nick, my buddy, was especially for I don't want to do a dungeon crawl type thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. They'll be dungeoning. Yes. I said, but there's plenty to go on. So they learned a little bit about there in the Grand Duchy of Jeff, the one guy who got into a kerfuffle and a little bit of trouble, who was kind of ladled the whole damn in into trouble, is the son of the Duke of Jeff's brother, who's like kind of nephew, half-nephew to the to the Duke, right? And they heard something about the Scarlet um, um, the, uh, Scarlet Brotherhood messing about. So they're like, ooh, ooh, what's this? Ooh, what's that? So it was pretty good. A lot of fun. And then I went up to hang out with my folks for a bit, and then gamed with my with my home group. In uh, we were able to get together in person. It was a lot of fun. We did um, my uh, my World of Darkness game. God, I can't think of names or terms today. That was crazy. It was uh, a cons- more of the what the fuck is going on? We have to figure this out. They're starting to crack some of the code. Like, hey, reality is twisting and shifting around us constantly. I think we can. In- I think it's partly our fault. And Lenny starts poking at the edges of it and then got his ass handed to him by somebody who's like, stop fucking around with my piece of reality, go over there, and shunted him out. And uh, so they started mucking about, figuring things out. It was fun. It was a lot of good time. Fantastic. A lot of a good time. Very much fun. That's oh. a game I think I would, I'd like to explain at some point, but I don't know if anybody cares. I'd <laughs> so, eh, be surprised. So, so I, might, I might pull that together because it's... One of the crazier ideas I've ever had for running it, and uh, it's so far it's working really it well. It is an interesting game, and I think I think it would be worth putting out there. We'll put it out bonus or put it okay. patrons or just record, just record crap and put it out there, and people they'll listen to it or they won't. That's okay. Okay, maybe we'll do that. But but yeah, that was a that was about it for gaming. Good times though, a lot of good game, a lot of yeah. good gaming, I should say. Just two sessions as we that let that week, but it was a lot of fun, a lot a lot of fun. Yeah, Harrigan Hobbs and Tony Sugarloaf. We all wrapped up Delta Green. Oh, did you? Yeah, we wrapped that up, and then uh, my Stars Without Number, <laughs> my Stars Without Number games done like on hiatus for a while because the GM Crystal's got a horse she has to take care of. So she's she wrote us an email and said, 
hey guys, hate to do this, but, and I'm like, oh, so I'm going to have two games freed up basically. So I'm going to try to figure out what I want to do next. I just want to get through. Um, oh, I don't know if I, did I tell you I was going to, they're going to fuse my neck. Did I tell you that? You said you were going to have. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do, um, I'm looking at December, January, uh, numbers five and six. They go in through the front, go and cr- stick things together, put shims and bolts and screws and shit in your neck. So that's the most. I don't. Um, I don't expect any interruptions. In- oh no, 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 no! I expected to be fine. I just <laughs> that I my doctor. I mean, like, you just have to sit there and talk, Brad. I don't yeah, know if that's exactly. asking much. No, it's not too hard. I do that plenty. <laughs> um, the interesting. I'm like, how long is your recovery? She's like, well, four, six, maybe eight weeks, depending. Like, I need you got to wait till after November. Oh, really? I said, yeah, I have a hunting trip and shit. I'm doing in November that requires heavy lifting, walking around. I'm not priorities, Doc. Yeah, I gotta, go kill, I gotta kill stuff and eat it. I have to have stuff to eat while I'm laying around convalescing, making people wait on me hand and foot. God, that'll be annoying for people. Yeah, for those that aren't in the in the know, Brett's got some issues with some vertebrate, and that yeah. he's gotta gotta pretty have much, yeah. fixed. So pretty much my whole neck's jacked up. Arthritis, arthritis, crushing, pinching, bulging. It's good times. Anyway, so we'll get that fixed. That might slow me down on the podcast. Like if I have, if let's just God forbid, if we actually have the surgery like a Monday, that could slow me down. I apologize. Because they make me stay overnight. Man, excuses, excuses. <clears throat> I'm going to just have Susan bring all my podcasting gear to the hospital. Have just Susan do. come on. We'll have Susan on. She'll fill in. That would be terrible. What? Come <laughs> no, on. Nobody, she wouldn't do it. I, I, Like a new player, I would just I'd make it smooth. Yeah, you just crush all her dreams and hopes. Just like a no. new player. No. <laughs> All right, let's move on from here. Let's go uh, to random chat's encounter. Chat's like, yeah, man, bring on Susan. <laughs> All right, let's get into random encounter. Nobody's saying that. Random encounter, two uh, comments for social media, voicemails, emails. Uh, I've got a f- cu- couple. One's a pretty long one, but I really like it. I'm gonna, let's start out with mongrels. Okay. All right. All right. All right, here we go. Pure mongrel from Down Under. G'day, Brett and Sean. It's uh, Paris the Pure Mongrel here, your brother from Down Under. Guys, just wanted to um, first of all say how awesome it is to hear your voices in this incredibly uh, difficult time. This coronavirus can just suck it, quite frankly, but um, I've been so busy lately that I haven't had time to listen to as many podcasts as I could, so it was great to catch up on some of them and listen to your guys' voice and hear just how well you sound, how well you're doing, which is great. Hey, I just wanted to chime in on the discussion about paid GMs that uh, you've been talking about the last couple episodes. So this is an interesting topic to me, obviously, as someone who is, I suppose, technically a professional GM, as I do get paid to to run games in, in one sense. And I actually have um, four other game masters apart from myself that now work for me. Uh, so obviously in my field we work in a therapeutic sense where we work with young people um, with psychosocial disability and non-neurotypical brains which is you know psycho oh sorry not psycho it's uh, it's uh, shop speak for uh, people that young people that deal a lot with depression anxiety need help with coping skills uh, people with autism etc you've heard this enough won't go on but what I wanted to express to you was that there is this kind of, I guess, negative context that you sort of hear across the community in regards to people selling their services as a game master. But I'd like you to consider something 
and that is that um, you know not everybody, and this doesn't mean that you have to have mental health issues or a non-neurotypical brain, but not everybody has the social skills or the comfort or the confidence to ask to join a game or uh, their time because of work, etc., doesn't fit into when social gaming generally happens. There are a number of reasons why people can't get to the table without a paid service. And so while we might see the monetization of something that we love, something we class as a hobby, um, the truth is it's a craft and it is an art and we wouldn't we wouldn't sit there and turn to an artist and say, hey, man, you shouldn't be able to sell your painting because you're doing something you love or it's artistic. So I think the stigma around people charging for a service when it comes to this um, is, is unwarranted in some instances. And I'm not saying that, you know, GMs that get paid get bashed a lot, but and, and I mean that metaphorically, not physically. But, but the fact is that in the world that we live, um, where we're all connected by digital but don't necessarily have the social skills to meet up with others or even ask to join a game, whether that be online or in face-to-face, to stigmatise paid GMing would essentially mean that there are a lot of people that couldn't join the table and then we're essentially stopping them from sharing this hobby with us so as both of you know and talk about quite regularly there's a lot of work involved in being a gm and even if it is just improv at the time what no way that's good stuff actually i I like i like the um there's a really cool point i think that he has in there which is the you know charging for your services isn't necessarily just because it's a hobby type of thing right if um when I did the um, Streets of Avalon book, one of the things that Encoded Designs is big on, and which I absolutely supported, was we're going to make sure we're paying for the art, and you know, not like here's a nickel, right. give me the best thing you can possibly do. You know, when I have had, I, I have a number of tattoos. When I find a tattoo artist I like, and I'm saying, what do they cost? Like, well, I'm like, look, what's the going rate? I will pay what is fair. If I cannot afford it now, I will come back later. Asking an artist or somebody who creates or a creative person who does stuff like that and then always trying to get the friend deal or whatever it is can, you know, be frank, frankly insulting. So I, that point I had not thought about. So that's really solid. Yeah. Oh, that's very solid. And the uh, what he's going into here about a lot of work. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of time and energy that goes into that. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this is good. This is good, man. There's a lot of energy, a lot of creativity, a lot of drawing on yourself and past experiences that is required when game mastering. And that's no different to any other job when you think about it. On the flip side, some advice for anyone that does want to get into the um, professional side of role playing. So as you've heard in the past from me that uh, I create a Gen U Gamer. We, we work with young young people and young adults uh, using all forms of gaming, but a lot of it is is role-playing and, and therapeutic skill building within that role-playing sp- space. One of the things that I will warn those that, um, that are looking to get into this space is that 
when you give up something that you love to a work space, you, you've probably heard the old adage, if you, uh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's horse plucky, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, you actually work harder. And not only that, when you give up something like role-playing to work, you'll be surprised how much you actually re- relied on that hobby for your own well-being, your own mental health, your own de-stressing, your own way of expressing yourself and understanding the world around you. And when you give that up to work, you've essentially given up part of yourself, whether that's something private or, um, you know, was certainly a, what I would class as a coping strategy. And So I think it's not – so when people talk about once you – start doing like how's it do what you love you never work a day in your life well he said that but yeah, I, yeah. I, but the thing is is that when you talk about horse pucky i when he said that i'm like oh god that is hilarious that's all it's sound it feels very true when he says it carry on it is and it has to do with the what what i was thinking is you know they say well then it's going to become a job right mm-hmm. it's going to become a job and i'm gonna hate the job i don't think that's the thing I think what it is is when we love something and we turn it into a job and then it becomes a it becomes a job and we get bogged down in it is that it takes away from the aspect of it not being a job. Yeah, like, it's no it's no longer a There's hobby. no escape. Now you and I this is ages back the first time Gamehole moved to the bigger energy center mm-hmm. right for the space. Uh Steve Jackson's there. And right. he's got his being we picked on him a little bit on the show and whatnot. <laughs> Uncle Steve. <clears throat> Uncle Steve. <laughs> One of the things he said in there, someone asked him, what games do you play for fun? He said, and I'll quote, I do not play games for fun. Yeah. Everyone was like, what? He said, if I am playing a game of mine, Munchkin, whatever, blah, 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 I am playtesting, designing, and developing. It's my job. I have other things I do for fun, listed them. But now, that is an extreme example, but I can absolutely see what Paris is saying here, is that if like, wow, I always did this thing as the release the escape from the job right. now is the job what the hell do i do to release escape from now it? you gotta pick up bowling yeah and i suck at bowling is it too late to do bowling oh my neck gotta is go fucked up sh- gotta bow shoot shoot bow stuff that, like that uh, would, brett does that would help except shoot guns make, bow I make, stuff i gotta make that a job too that's a Walk thing up. people do that's true it absolutely is <laughs> i know it is yeah I almost did that at one point, ages and ages ago. And but then, what would you do, Brett? You'd have to like go and become a IT have, guy, like piano, for, I'd, for I'd fun. Be an IT guy for fun. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, <laughs> I'll be an IT side. director just for just as a side gig, something to do for fun. I'll get together and bitch about telcos and carriers and stuff. Yeah. Well, at that point, you would be bitching about shooting bow and seeing animals yes. in the wilderness. Yes. Right? Yeah. Wow. Well, that. All right. Let's go back. Carry on, man. I'll, for... I'd take I'd take bitching about that over bitching about AT and T. Anyway, carry on. All right. Here we go. There can be a lot of negative feelings around that uh, because you, especially if the players that um, in a space where they're paying you to play, you get less of a say in regards to how the table is run. I um, mean, you can still set the boundaries so that, you know, everyone takes their turn and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, the theme of the game will be more driven by the people that are paying you for the service. And that may actually be in direct opposite to the way that you like to play. If you like to play more of a serious style game and everyone's mucking around, you have to let that happen in that space. Or conversely, if, if you if they want a really serious game and you want to play a fun game, you can't do it. You have to do what the table wants. Yeah, so basically, because I'm not getting paid right now, I could do whatever the hell I want. 
And, uh, you know, whatever the players want, I have a say. Like, I could say, hey, Jeff, <clears throat> you're not playing freaking Van Helsing Witch Hunter freaking Superman. You could you could indeed do that. But if they were paying me, you'd. I, there, all this there, podcast, all this stuff I talk about, I just be like, what? I can't, you know, what, I, you know, what are you going to do? There's an obligation that goes in there. I think that's the larger statement, right? Totally. Yeah, if you're going to do something. We talk, we hinted at this or try to yeah. get to that point is that you, you, you've entered the realm of obligation. Right. Right. And that's, that's a different world. Do you, want to, do you want to live in said world and deal with that thing? Right. So, good point. Um, the other challenge you'll have is that you'll be playing with a lot of unknowns. So usually when you're playing with your friends or people that you normally play with, there is uh, an understanding of what will happen within that social contract at the table. And when you people pay you, they bring with them whatever it is they bring. It could be their personality, their hang-ups about the game, their understanding of the game, the understanding of how it should be played. Um, and as the customer, um, there is that expectation that, that they get what they want, not what you want. And that can be very challenging and very difficult for the person that, that is providing the game. So I just wanted to, to put that my two cents worth in. I would strongly recommend that if anyone goes down the path of selling their services as a GM, which sounds really crude, um, that first of all, you put in place certain games that you don't use at work. All right. So if D&D... If you're prepared to give up Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, to work, then I would find another RPG that you do not use at work, that you play with just your friends at the very least. And I would certainly look at other hobbies um, that could maybe fill in that role-playing space for you, whether it be wargaming or model-making, any, anything, anything else um, that will give you that relief that you need. Secondly, I would certainly test the waters a lot before you jump in. So I would be running some games at your local game store and just leaving the table open for people to join and get a feel for the different personalities out there because, yeah, there is a wide range of people that come to the table and for various reasons they may act or perform in a way that you aren't ready for, that you don't know how to deal with. And the, you really need to expose yourself to a lot of those sort of personalities before you jump into the professional arena or you will... You will find it rather um, rather difficult. And then the last plug is that if you do go down a professional line, there are a lot of people that can use role playing uh, much. In or sorry, the way we use role playing, there are a lot of people out there that need that. Um, you know, they they need that social connection. They need that ability to work through skill development coping skills challenges uh communication a whole bunch of stuff and if anybody wants to know more uh, ask the question through uh through through the guys and and they'll pass it on to me i'm sure but you know maybe look at if you want to go down the professional route maybe look at how you could help in your local community in that space maybe contact your local um you know mental health providers or youth work providers and um and then you'll you know not only are you doing what you love and getting paid for it but um you're actually helping people as well not to say that you won't help people if you just go private by the way and uh there are a lot of people i know that work and but because of whatever challenges they have they don't get that social connection with people and role-playing is it 
So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my, my part on it. Um, monetizing your ability to GM is not a bad thing. It can be very rewarding. I know it is for me. And uh, I built a whole, um, not only career out of it, but a whole apartment out of it. Uh, and I get to, I am now officially, my business card says I'm officially the head Dragon Wrangler of Gen U Gamer. And I have Dragon Wranglers under me as well as digital vanguards because our range of games is quite wide. Uh, so don't, uh, my two cents for what it's worth is, uh, yeah, don't, don't poo poo the, uh, the thought of, uh, of going professional. It can be very rewarding. Just be aware of the challenges that you will likely face because of of all the personalities that you might come in contact with uh, and definitely build in or think ahead of some strategies on how you're going to cope with those different personalities, how you're going to de-stress from these sessions because it is work. This won't be a game for you. This will be work. Um, And protect some of your hobbies so that you don't give everything of yourself to your work uh, and you have something left to unwind and take care of yourself, you know, make sure that you look after your own well-being. All right. I think I've gone on long enough. I'll leave you with it. Thank you, Sean and Brett. Thank you for the show. Thank you for, you know, just providing me with that outlet to, to listen about gaming from different perspectives that I don't always get to hear. Have a great one, guys. Paris out. I just, I just felt I had to, I know it was a long one, but I, I was like, well, I'll edit it down. And then when I got into it, I'm like, eh, he's got some, and no, yeah. these are good points. Yeah, right? good we, stuff. We, we talked about on the show, like, look, um, our hope was that we would do our talking and then people who were right. experienced in the professional space would then want to join the conversation because that's our setup. So yeah, no, that's perfect. We've had a couple other people, um, chime in with different experiences. And having people who are professional game masters say, hey, this is what I've noticed, so on and so forth. Even if it's like anything else, you give someone career advice, whatever that is, take it or leave it. You know, that's on you to do that with. But the kindness, quite frankly, of folks like Paris and I cannot remember a couple other folks have chimed in. I'm just thinking of the mongrel now because you just happened to write in. But when anybody steps in and gives that kind of advice, I just think it's really kind. And I thank, I thank Paris and everybody else who's done it because it's... If somebody else is thinking about it, like hey, I would have been like, I'm "Oh yeah, I got this, man! I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pro." And then everything that Paris would say, "Hey, like you might want to consider this and that," and then go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> oh wow, I hadn't thought about that. No, it's uh, this yeah. is good shit to think about. So that was cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, Mongrel awesome. man. And good to hear from you, man. Glad you guys are glad you're keeping safe down there. So yeah, good work too. Keep up the good work with what you are doing because that's fucking kick ass, man. Yeah, it is totally. Uh, second one, Iron GM leaves a voicemail on cursed items. Buckle up. He's like, I'm going to write in about cursed items. I'm like, bring it. Bring it. So he has brought it. He done did bring it. Everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse from Eric Frankhouse Presents. Brett, Sean, I miss you guys. I miss your beautiful faces. So let's talk about cursed objects. I believe that cursed objects, most importantly, have to serve purpose in not only the story, but in the desires of the player. A good cursed object makes a player want to use it. It it draws them into this false sense of security. And I find cursed objects that are intelligent really good at this. It doesn't even have to be an artifact level of crazy. 
but it has to lean into what that player wants, what that character they're playing needs. So for example, in my Pathfinder game that I am running for Patreon right now, there is a bag of devouring that is cursed and intelligent. Actually, it's a mimic bag, and it is a mimic and backpack form, and it will pick items up off the ground for you. It has its own action. Uh, you can also have it store extra things like a bag of holding, but any time platinum is put into it or platinum is near, it keeps it. No one knows where it goes, but it keeps platinum. It doesn't give anything back, but this bag of holding has the ability to draw things out and give them to you or pick things off the ground within five foot of you. This cursed item is something that the goblin of the game loves, and it has learned that if there is platinum around, this, this object, this cursed mimic, will try to steal it. I've given out intelligent items over the years and cursed items over the years that make people want to use them. They have a goal. And the way I do this is I write down three to five things that this cursed object is made for and what it wants. Here's a great example. Cursed object has to be used by someone for it to fulfill its purpose. What is its purpose? It is made to slay the mayor of the town. Yeah, that's right. It is made to slay the mayor of the town, and the players don't know this. The third thing about it, to help with this, it allows the player to locate humanoids, someone that they've been in contact with before, or if they can put that blood on the blade itself, it helps them locate it. Number four, once they are located, you have an easier time fighting them. Maybe it becomes a defending item of plus one or plus two. And last, and specifically, whenever the mayor is around, you can hear his thoughts. And this cursed item swaps those thoughts into very twisted things. Maybe eventually you start allowing saves to fight off the cursed object and so on, but that is what this cursed object is for. Give it purpose, everybody. Give it purpose. Oh, and Dan, I highlight my stuff too. I write my books as well. And more importantly, I even write and draw little objects for traps and whatnot. Love the show. Keep doing it, guys. See you soon. That's good stuff, man. That goes into kind of what you and I have talked about off the mics with some of the cursed items we were discussing kind of off, off camera. Having it be more than just the negative, which is what we were trying to drive at. So those are some other good examples. That's really solid. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, he yeah, takes he, a real positive approach to it. Like, they're just these weird things that they do versus... I love the idea that this, yeah. it's a sword that's designed to kill the mayor. Right. And so that's cool. All right. You you can hear the mayor's thoughts. Like, huh, that's interesting. The mayor's thinking about murdering some children. What? Oh, my God. I didn't know he's evil. It's taking his thing and is twisting it, as Eric said, right? So he's actually thinking about building an orphanage. Right. But the sword's like, oh, no, no. You know, he murders children. Or, oh, no, no. He's looking to, you know, overtax the peasants. Or whatever it is. It's just flipping, twisting, making you like, I can hear his thoughts. It's not what he's saying. He's saying this, but I can hear this in his head. That evil motherfucker. And next thing you know, the player's like, I gotta kill the mayor. Is he secretly evil? Right. Clearly. <laughs> he, he worships, you know, Beelzebub. We need to take this motherfucker down. And you go in and kill him. You're like, oh, my God, what happened? The nicest man in town has been murdered. Oh, damn it. No, I like it. I like it. That's good stuff, man. Thanks, Iron GM. Eric Frankhouse presents. Check him out on Twitch. He's got his own channel here. and runs and shows his prep work and stuff. Um, I'll tell you, man. And, dude, so. Eric, we miss you, too. Um, just for what it's worth, it does suck. 
I mean, we could see each other on in uh, in the virtual spaces and stuff, but man, those wonderful times. Get a con, get a hug, hang out, get a beer together. Drink yeah. Malort. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Miss the Malort. Nobody misses Malort. <laughs> you, except you. No. Carry on. All right. DM Kojo writes in. Hey, guys. DM Kojo. It's been a long time. Thought I'd give you a call. I really enjoyed your episode about changing how you game master. Got me thinking about my own journey a little bit. I know that when I played uh, in my first run in the 80s and 90s that I was a game master that really wanted to have control, liked it when people were on rails, and uh, when I knew it was coming, um, I always ran pre-published modules. I, I still largely do that today, but um, you know, I know that it would throw me when people try to do things outside the, the box. And so when I got back into gaming, uh, you know, in my late 30s and 40s here, I wanted to change that about how I game mastered because I remember that being a source of frustration for me and my players. So before I actually ran games, I spent some time doing research. I spent some time uh, listening to podcasts, getting email and calling podcasts to learn how to better do things uh, in a style that uh, you know, was more open to, you know, player input and things like that. I think that's probably why I gravitated towards games that tend to encourage that kind of thing, like Dungeon Crawl Classics or uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars, where, you know, things happen and players have lots of input into how things happen and what's going to happen. And, and just being a more on-the-fly uh, game master, even though, um, you know, I'm still often running pre-published stuff, just being more flexible about what they want to do and being more able to come up with things on the fly. So that was really a conscious decision to kind of change that, and I think I'm a better game master for it. Just thought I'd share that story. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Talk to you later. Bye. That's cool. Thanks, Kojo. That's awesome. You know... If I think back to how I used to game master when I first started, <laughs> is you know I'd be like, wow, that's that's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's kind of what I what I think. <laughs> Sean, do you uh, do you do you think back to in the old days and say, boy, I wish I was still doing it like I used to? No, <laughs> shake your head. I think I repress those memories because I think the game was messed up. I think I was messed up. Like I just, I think it was probably terrible. It probably we, was terrible. Somehow we've, I've, me personally, I've morphed it into oh, it was so great. Yeah, like that's the 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 candle of nostalgia burns bright totally in, in in the dim room, right? It's like oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! The candle of nostalgia at the far end of the cave. You know, we're like oh my god. The fun parts that I remember were the they were wicked fun. You know, I didn't have any response. Huh? They were wicked fun, right? I mean, they were fun, but it was like the thing. The times I remember are like the the. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any responsibility. I didn't have any accountability. It was summer, and what it are you was doing like this weekend. We're playing D and D. When, when it was you start Tuesday, that? what are we gonna yeah, do Thursday? Exactly. We yeah. can't be we can't be at Jeff's house because his parents got to work the next day. But we could go in the fort and stay over in the fort and then play D and D for yes. twelve hours. But none of the adventures like. Oh, I remember this one exact time. And I mean, there's glimpses of it, but man, I'm old. I forget all that shit. I have a couple bits and pieces of adventures that Eric Schaefer used to run and stuff back in high school, but a lot of it was okay, 
Todd's parents don't care if we stay over. And so what will happen is Friday after school, go home, eat dinner with your family. Everyone just descend on Todd's house and you don't leave until Sunday or late Saturday. It's just like, go, go, go. Honestly, can't. I think that the ability that Eric had at the time, the thing I remember the most that I try to emulate that I learned from Eric in high school was that son of a bitch could run nonstop forever. And part of it was just probably throwing weird things at us and letting us argue. <laughs> that was probably his way of getting us to stop and think or giving him time to take a breather. But he would run for 12 hours, 13 hours, two days. We would just keep playing and playing and playing and playing. Break for pizza. Get back at it. You know, wow. That was that was pretty cool. Now, looking back and given today, like this past weekend and a few weekends before that, I mean, I could see playing 12 hours because it takes like two to get through combat. <laughs> so like I could have like four encounters and have it be like a 12 hour session. Fair enough. Well, I'll tell, <laughs> one of the coach didn't mention it, but there was a piece he started talking about players doing different things, having options, whatever. Did you see Mr. Cameron's uh, Facebook post on the term agency and RPGs? He hates it because he he's in the legal world because he's a lawyer. Agency is a very specific thing in the legal world. So he hates that term in gaming. It's like, and he's like, look, this is just lawyer's rant, so I'm going to blah. He just vomited it out. But I'm like, huh, interesting. Just a different approach. It's similar to what you and I have, we've all talked about on the show for, what, six years now, 300 and some episodes is, what does that mean? <laughs> it's, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm playing a high fantasy game. Oh, you mean like Lord of the Rings? No, no, I'm talking high fantasy. Uh, like... Dying like, Earth? No, no. Oh yeah, high like I, fantasy, like I, dude. Like, like you gotta be stoned to understand it. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah. So it's and the more we, the more we've gotten through this stuff, it is so crazy. And this almost goes to um, uh, to Paris's piece on getting paid and so forth, the amount of effort and work that goes into something, and the amount of time we have now, he hinted at this, or since I he said this directly at the beginning with schedules and time. The older we get and looking to the past, as Kojo just had us do here, I didn't I don't have infinite amount of time. I got shit I gotta do. I got a lawn to mow, I got bills to pay, I got you know, oh, I got so much time. And I can definitely see where having a solid of a session zero, a solid of a here are the stakes, here's the definitions for everything I'm using. We're gonna hash out as much as we can up front so that there's Yes, there'll be disagreements. Yes, somebody's going to say, what did you mean by, let's try to get as much as we can out there. So at least within the spirit of everything, we've all agreed that these are the rules of the road. Carry on. I can totally see why that's become more important. Excuse me, at least in my gaming, because I ain't got that much time. I want to be able to sit down and play. I don't want to sit down and have an argument over whether you allow double or triple specialization. I don't want to deal with that. Cool. Thank you, Kojo. Good to hear from you. Hey, Kojo's another one, man. I miss seeing you, dude. Yeah. Gary Gary Khan and all that good stuff. Oh, Christ. All right. What else we got? Anything else? Uh, we should get to the main topic. Oh, let's do that. Yeah, let's go all around right. You ready? All right. So Todd Crapper, the warden. The man who convinced me that I need to turn the streets of Avalon into a PIP system. Asked us back in episode 311, he said, what is the role of the GM? Because we started talking about different modes, methods, and so forth. And he talked about it on forums. And um, 
we've tittered around with this thing like oh maybe this maybe that whatnot um kind of are they a player are they more are they less are they lord god and master are they just another are they just there to entertain so sean Dude, i got this i got you this. got this so i got I'm, this man i'm gonna sit back you ready for this lay, lay it on me one scheduler you are scheduler got it got it no one else can do that only the no no not that i'm aware of in my very much in my experience, it is much the same. I mean, if you're not going to be there and you're the game master, I mean, might as well not have a game. Fair enough. I'm going to write right. this down. So scheduling. So, all right. Scheduler. Check. Put that down. Scheduling. Got it. Next. Next thing you are, um, you are, how do I put it? Ex- ex- expectation setter. Expectation setter. Expectation setter. You're in charge right? of all like, that. Like, here's the deal. Here's what to expect. Here's what's going to go down. Got it. Right, right. This is gold. You're spitting gold here. Diamonds, 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 gold. You are rules authoritarian. The rules authority. Uh, Rules authority. Got to know all the rules. Every rule. Got to know them all. Know all the rules. It's like Pokemon. Got to catch them. Got to know them all. Got it. Got it. Right. Uh, Next one, you have to be, um, uh, you have to be story guy, person. Story guy. Story person. Yeah. Got it. Story person. Yeah, you gotta know all the story. Uh, oh, does put that all do the story together? A, do you have to be an improv actor so you can do all the voices? Oh, improv actor, you gotta put that down. Vo- okay. Voice actor, maybe optional. Okay. Uh, voice voice improv acting. Yes, you have to be the keeper of all the character sheets. Okay. Keep we, all relevant data. All relevant data, yes. To include, uh, to include, but not limited to, character sheets, okay. session notes. Uh, character backgrounds, in case your characters forget what they are. Got it. Right. Okay, got that. Yeah. So you have to be journalist, you know, journaler, writer. You got to be dice chucker. You got to chuck dice, right? I'm kind of stretching there. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of bullshit right there, Sean. No, no, that's, that's all, man. That's I mean, there's nobody else that does any of that. Is there a reason why no one else does it? Because well, players, because they're not the game master. Duh, well, Brad. It has nothing to do with the fact that players are lazy. Oh, I'm hey, just, hey, I'm hey, just going to hey. say it. Uh, okay. No, come on now. That's not. Let's not throw stones here. <sighs> so the first one you threw out, I was going to. I was going to mention this. The role of game master. I think there's a couple different interesting pieces. I think that often there's the what's the game master's role in the game, and then around the game, around like outside the actual game session itself. And I do, we've talked about this before, and I honestly think scheduling tends to fall on the Game Master because the Game Master is the one that without that person there, we can't game. Right? That's traditionally, at least in the spaces that Sean and I roll in, or have rolled in, is that, hey, I want to play D&D, Star Wars, Star Frontiers, or Dungeon Crawl Classics, or whatever. Who's the GM? She can't make it. It's got to be a... yeah, it's got to be a game master based game, right? Yeah, if it's a yeah. game master based game without that person, hey, can Jen make it? Nope, no DC tonight. You know, no DCC tonight. Crap. Anybody else can run something? You know, that's the who else wants to run? Who else is going to step in that chair? And that's why I believe the scheduling lands on the game master as an outside issue is because, like, look, person 
can you be there? Yes or no? Because if you can't, then we got to find somebody else who can be there to run a game or do whatever. So that one, I kind of get. The other, so the other one around expectation setting we talked about, I think it's often seen as it's your game, game master. Yes, that's true. It's their game. It's their game. I, my, if I'm the game master, it's my game. Is that is that really what you think, John? Or just come on, <laughs> I'm teasing you. <laughs> yes. So it, it's interesting <laughs> though because I. Who wants to play in my next game? Exactly. That's yeah. Everyone says that. Yeah. Hey, what are you running? What game are you playing? What, what game, game are you running? running? What game yeah, are you? It's your you? game. It's not. Yeah. And I think those those expectations land on people because that phrasing, that terminology happens. And we don't ever say, what game do we want to play? We don't ever. That's way too much hyperbole. In the circles I run in, the people I work with and that I talk to about gaming, I don't often hear, we've decided. Unless it's predicated by, I gave them three options, and then we chose the option number three is the one the most people want to play, so that's why I'm running Dungeon Crawl Classics, or that's why I'm running uh, this Power of the Apocalypse, because that's what most people voted on, and that's what most people are comfortable with. But it was still the Game Master put the options in front of people that they could choose from. Right? So, and there is a often, from the Rules Authority perspective, there are a lot of times that people will say, I don't know what this does. Or we've talked about this repeatedly. And, you know, if you want to be a good player, understand what it is your character is capable of, understand the rules, how to roll the hit, how to roll damage, you know, those minimums. But generally speaking, yeah, it's often that the GM has to be able to know all the rules, be able to find them. Being able to drive the story, the improv acting, you know, keep you all relevant data, the notes. <laughs> We're, you know, going on and on in that space. I think. I'm telling you, man, I got, I got. Like I, I had to tell, I think I'd even told Jeff this past week and I'm like, Hey man, I got all this shit going on. You got to know your character. That's like, that's all I'm asking. This that's is it. Like, all of those up. pieces though, that you said, I think jokes aside, that's one of the reasons why some people I think rankle when they say the game master is just another player at the table. Oh, well, the sure. game master is a player at the table. We're all players. You just have a, a special role. That person's playing the Jedi. You're the game master. This person I have a title, is this, Brett. I have, have a title. A the other people have a title. It's called player. I want a title. You want a title? Yeah. All have right. Seen the Cheers episode about titles? God, it's been a while, but yeah, I think yeah, so. It's a good one. Wait a minute. Hey. I don't want to raise. I want. To, let's talk about this title thing. <laughs> let's talk about this title thing. <laughs> I want to be head chief game master. So, Sean, if we, do you think it's still? Do you see the game master though? I mean, if you take that stuff aside. Do you honestly, kind of at its core, is the game master to you another player at the table just with a specialized role type of thing? You know, where we'll often say, players, make sure you're collaborating, source the room, blah, blah, blah. There's, we give a lot of game master advice or ideas and thoughts around that space. And sometimes I think it's difficult for you and I to talk about, you know, what should players do? For some reason, we always tend to drift towards the game master. Because that poor son of a gun needs the most help. Right. <laughs> is what it's, it usually feels like. That's what it really it's, is. It's like. not like the game master, you know, like, well, well, Jen, you barely know how to run Dungeon Crawl Classics. Obviously, Jen knows how to run, you know, Jen Brakeman is who I'm talking yeah. about. Jen Jen knows that game. Yeah. But it's like, wow, I have these different, per you're one person that everyone has to figure out at the table, right? Who's Brett? How's he operate? What's he doing? Got it. 
I've got to figure out six players or four players or five players. Who are you? What does she do? And what does that person want? What do they want? Huh? More work, right? They're, it's interesting because I guess the, my instinct is to say the game master is not just a player because of the extra things. But I don't know if those are self-imposed extra things. Just simply from my history in the game hobby to say, oh, no, 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 no. The Game Master is clearly more than just another player. He has all the stuff that they must do. Is that legit or am I just spouting some shit that I've never thought of? I don't know, man. Well, and I think this could come down to semantics a little bit. I mean, okay, so what Todd's talking about is the Game Master an actual player. And if you're playing a game, then, of course, the logical answer is yes. Yes. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a big, huge deal deal to put it in that context however there is a there they just have a lot more on their plate do they need to have all this on their plate of course not but i think it depends on the group that you're playing with and the baggage that comes with it so i think i particularly have quite a bit of baggage when it comes to how a game master is defined in some of the circles that i run in yes right and i think that's some of and and changing some of this, like some of the things that I've been encountering with Curse of Strahd, you know, and and some people I've talked to, like you know, I've known Jeff and Joe for like forty years, and and Andy and Harold and and Vicky for a little bit less, and you know, so when I say like oh, I can't believe this happened, why would you know I not expect that to happen? Kind I've of sort. I've, I've known Jeff for how long? Thirty well, years. I should I, write. I should I be should. able to write the book on these guys easily. Yeah. Yeah, so why is it this, a surprise? If I put this hammer in the middle of the room, Jeff's going to hit. Jeff's going to hit Joe with it. That's what happens with the hammer. Why in the is? Room. Why would it be a surprise when something that you know I expect or I want to have happen doesn't? Well, I should expect that. But going back to this, it's it's and then when you so what I'm trying to get at is how do you when you change that? It's like changing a culture of your group. Yeah, there's a there's another piece that goes with this with the phrasing when we say, well, yeah, well, obviously the GM's player, they just have a different title, right? Now, or they have other things to do, that yeah, are different duties. There's a piece here though that I think is interesting. That when Todd said this, I went, huh, and I've been noodling on it for a while. Is we'll often say as game masters, did you have fun game? Well, if my players had fun, I had fun. Matt Colville has said that. I have said that. You have said that. Hey, man, if everyone at the table had a good time, we had a good time. That's really cool. I, that's bullshit. Well, here's an interesting <laughs> piece, or how, here's an interesting piece that goes with that. That is saying that unless four to however many other people you game with, eight, six, however, whatever the number is, unless six people had the time of their lives that evening, you as the game master failed or didn't get to enjoy it as much because not everyone at the table had fun. Like you're hosting this party. Was it a good party? And the host says, well, it was pretty good, except for I didn't have the right kind of wine because Tom was upset that the wine wasn't there or so-and-so didn't realize that they were allergic to dairy. And I didn't, and I didn't tell them that there was cheese in the dip or something. So you're you know? saying to the contrary, to like the contrary, it's, it's, right. it's interesting because we, we say that stuff like, well, the game master's job and we will give lip service to the fact, well, they don't have to, they're not just there to entertain. They're not just there. They're players too. And so forth. But when we talk about playing, we're playing a game to have a good time. We're having a lot of fun with it. Yes, the Game Master has fun creating different things, voices sometimes, or worlds, or bits and pieces. That's what they, that's what they enjoy, Brett. That's why they're the Game Master. They, 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 they create the world. That's their fun. That's their fun part. Fun part, 
doesn't have to roll over to the table. That's yeah, that's, that's it's like the miniatures <laughs> painting. I love yeah. to paint miniatures. I don't I like just, to play the game. I, I like, like to play the game. I don't like to paint miniatures. So <laughs> interesting connection. Um, the other piece is that <laughs> so this poor son of a gun sat down, had a really good fun time building this world, laid it on the table. And all the players went and just shit on it because they didn't. The players didn't have fun. They thought the world was dumb, lame. They didn't like the limitations. Oh my god, my character died. But and now the game master can't have any fun. In, in a way, they can't. The pl- none of the players had a good time, or at least one of them hated it loudly enough to say something. And then that's crushing some of the things that, that the game master is throwing out there. If it, if you've built a thing, or even if you're presenting a thing that somebody else built, a pre-published adventure, and um, there's no helpful criticism. There's like, I don't like this. This sucks. Your rules are dumb. Well, that doesn't make any sense. These are very derogatory things that often come at game masters. As you, I'm, and the game master is often seen as you are stopping me. Again, I'm saying often and whatnot. I know this is hyperbole, folks, and I, I'm positive there's better examples out there. So I apologize. I'm using, you know, all in type of terms here, but generalities. The generalities. When, when people say that stuff, they're pointing across the screen saying, you, Brett, you prick. I could be having fun at this game, but you didn't explain to me how to level up my character appropriately, and therefore, I am not properly tuned for this fight. It's not my fault I died. You fucker, Brett. <laughs> this this so, is... This, uh, now, that tone, yeah. that tone, not those words, that tone and that meaning was given to me a couple, about a year or two ago. Wow. And I, and I looked at that person, and I said, are you fucking kidding me? Right? It was a big throwdown. We figured it out, so on and so forth. Well, some of, but it, I mean, it's interesting when you yeah. when we try to say this about the GM, but that that person has a lot to do, and also their pleasure, their fun for that session has to do with people that aren't. They can't even. They're they're relying on five other people. Now, having said that, some of the things that I mention about players and the dynamics is is i i don't see beginner players um in the same light i wouldn't hold them to the same standard as people that have played the maybe even the same the same game over and over so i mean and i say that same game because you could still have somebody that's like i'm a i'm a player i'm a gamer and i've gamed for years and they could play delta green and not know the system not know the the yes Right, the nuances. Oh shit, dude! There's so many games out there right now. You you could easily lay a game in front of me I've never played before. I'm like I'll have to figure this one out. Right. So yeah, uh, you ha- that context does come into play. Like I wouldn't want to treat a new person of the hobby like I would treat somebody that like Jeff. Like I don't treat people like Jeff. Jeff's my punching bag, man. I <laughs> you know, I need people like years, Jeff yeah. to punch. Yeah. So, but at the same time, if Brett, you know, if Jeff's like gonna like him and haw and something's going on with his character i'm like dude come on now you've been playing 5e since it's come out you kind of should know this stuff like maybe the player to your left probably doesn't and that's okay we'll kind of you know hold them with kid gloves but yeah it's 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 so weird that yeah i don't know player but you know going back to the players is is the game master a player and why we focus on the game master because they ha- they seem to have in some of the traditional games with the dungeon master, yep. more things to cover. You know, if we did a, a 
podcast on players. Like, man, there's some players I know that show up at the game table with their character sheet, and that is it. And then when they're done, I know player characters that don't even level their tunes. Like, they just, like, oh, I forgot to level my tune, you know? And then if that's the that's the extent of it, they, oh, shit, okay. God, I got a plus one. Uh, my base attack bonus goes up one, and I get this these two choices. Okay, I'm good. And then they show up to the next session, and that's kind of it. Like that's yeah, it. Some people that's, should. for a player. That's I mean, if you're really setting the bar low, you could show up and, uh, and you could phone it in. You could phone it in. Yeah, you could phone it as a game master. But when you do that, oh yeah, in those games, everybody can tell. It's not like we can't tell that Brett or Sean is phoning it in as a player. Sean, you gonna play? You gonna roll your dice? Oh yeah, I'm rolling dice. Because most times, a player who doesn't get into the game heavy. Um, you know, some of the player character sheet in front of them. The PC is just, they roll their dice. Yep, I hit, I attack, I do this, I do that. They're not diving into every story. They're not, um, they have a very short backstory, if one at all. You know, depending again on the game you're playing. Just talking to some of the trad games. A lot of times you can you can be a pretty low cost of entry for some of the play styles that are out there. And those are often very fine. You know, somebody who knows the system, understands their character, figures it out and goes, shows up all the time. Plays, is responsible, awesome. Yeah, so some players, like, look, I just like playing Dwarven Fighters. That's what I do. Totally fine. I'll expect a Dwarven Fighter every game. Don't care. You're Ragnar the Forkbeard. Got it. We play. Totally fine. Don't care. You know, but if the play, if the Game Master shows up every time and does the same thing, just sucks the air out of the room. Yeah, it feels like the whole game every adventure flat. starts off in the tavern. Yeah, and then the same tavern with yeah. the same entry point and the same, 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 any, same, same, same. Oh, it's yeah. a bugbear, not a dragon or whatever. Yeah. The bartender's oh. name is Brent. Like, yeah. I thought the last one was Brett. Well, it's, this one is Brent. Whoa, oh, stretch, there's a stretch. Stretching like. there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think to myself... If I was a if I took a player the player kind of standard mm-hmm. and applied that to being a game master, <laughs> can you imagine just showing up to a session and going, "All right, <sighs> you are in a you are in a tavern." Honestly, what, reading the what, old school box text and that type of approach is exactly what a lot of us did in high school, those old guys. Sure, and a lot of times when you first start game mastering. You read the text, or you're like, okay, uh, you're standing outside the dungeon, and uh, the you're here to rescue the uh, the bartender's son, and there's supposed to be a goblin king in there. Okay, so who's going first? I, you know, it doesn't have to be evocative, blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't. But, but we talk about all this great stuff that, anyway, I guess there's... it. Uh, Todd, we're probably butchering the fuck out of what <laughs> it is you actually place. want us to talk about, man. So I want... But this is the shit that hit me, Todd, when you mentioned this. And I'm really thinking, man, it's interesting because the Game Master, I, what is the reason that they're on this pedestal or this behind the screen? They've got this special thing. And some of it is historical. We just ladle this stuff on the poor person. Like, hey, guess what? You're supposed to, you're supposed to, you're supposed to. But honestly, the, the crux of it to me is, did the players have a good time? Well, then I had a good time. And quite frankly, that's very true for Brett. One of the reasons that my World of Darkness crazy game is going so well, and I'm smiling and I'm enjoying it while I'm running it, is because I got 
five guys at the table and they're all like, wow. Oh, wow. This is, oh my God, what the fuck is that? Oh, Jesus, that's creepy. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm hearing this. I'm like, oh because my God. Because they're buying into what you're selling. Yeah. And they're buying, and I'm getting this wonderful feedback, right? Right. When On that the, doesn't happen. I feel like I fucked up. I failed. Everything's gone to hell. And if your player screws up and forgets that his dad is named something from the town <laughs> he's from, you go, Joe, damn it. And he's like, ah, oh, crap. And everyone gets a giggle, and we move on. And Joe's got this now. He's like, okay, cool. Oh, sweet, my dad. That's right. Sorry, I'm a moron. Carry on. Yeah, bite the hook, dude. Get in there and go. Right. But if if that happened on the flip side, if the game master, you know, if the player came up and said, well, yeah, I'm looking for, you know, so-and-so. What's, the, what's his dad's name? Christian. So if he kept walking around saying, have you seen Christian? He looks a lot like me, blah, blah, blah. And he used the game master after the fourth time said, Joe, why do you keep asking for this guy? Who is this guy? He'd look at you like, you fucking douche. It's in my background. Remember, it's my dad, the thing I want to do the most. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Dude, what do you think I wrote that for? Yeah. I've been that I've been that GM. Crystal called me out on it. Yeah, have you ever made this elaborate background? You haven't read it any of it? I'm like, sorry. Oops. Sorry about it. So it's interesting, though, then, again, somebody creates a thing, gives it to you, and says, you make something of this, or I will be disappointed. I've given you, the Game Master, this thing that I created for my character, and you better use it, or I will be disappointed. I will not have fun. And it will be your fault that I am not having fun. Huh. Is that is that overly harsh? But honestly, I've seen this happen. I've had that happen to me. You didn't use my thing. I'm disappointed in you, Brett. Sorry, there were eight of you and I forgot yours. I, you know, I, wow. Yeah, I don't think some of the players I game with, I haven't done it in a long time, if ever. It's, you know, maybe not relevant. And now all of a sudden it's it's occurring and now it's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. So some I don't blame, I don't blame the players for not providing some juice because I'm not using the juice, so why provide it? So. I think when I think when you say I'm not blaming players, so what I want to do now is is say categorically, I'm not blaming people for this behavior. When someone goes, Brett, you fucked up, you use my thing. I brought this on myself as the game master. Right? When we talked about this earlier before we got in here, like the session zero, let's make sure we level set everything with everybody all the time. I never told anybody, right? Right. By the way. Here's the rule book for this new game system. Here's the, you know, player's information. I expect you to have knowledge of X, Y, and Z, okay? Because I'm not going to memorize that. You have to know how to attack, defend, and cast magic. Go. You need to know how to fly a plane, do this thing, do this thing, whatever. I've never done that. I have, kind of, <laughs> because of just history and grognardness, I've like, yep, that's my job, and kind of en envelop this thing that I have to, that I feel like I have to hold on to. And this kind of goes into, again, changing how you GM. And I think the getting players to understand that, look, I want to have a good time too. And one way to help me have fun is for you guys to keep notes. I'm not keeping notes for your stuff. I can't. I do not have time. Please do that. Right? And explain to them, it's not fun for me. I don't enjoy it. I have enough of my own shit to worry about. Please do that yourself. So I honestly think, though, that I brought some of that annoyance on myself at the end of all time, at the end of all things. 
Well, the player gets mad at me that I didn't use their background. Did I ask him for a background? Yes. Did I give him three? I said, oh, and make sure in your background you have three points that are because I need those. And then I failed to use any of those three points for one player. That's fucked up, Brett. You told eight people that you had to have this. They all gave it to you and everybody got a taste but this person. That's I brought that on myself. <laughs> you know, I walked right into that meat grinder. Why did I do that? You know, why didn't I say, hey, how about we do some character development on the fly? That will help me, you know, by you saying, yes, I'm looking for my father. His name is Christian. Do you happen to know him? And that's when you tell me right here in front of everyone at the table, maybe for the first time I've heard this, that you're interested in that type of thing. Does that make sense, Sean? There's just kind of that, this passing it out. Do you agree with me? I mean, I'm going off here on my usual rant, but do you agree? Well, Are I, we bringing, am I bringing this on myself? I think gaming is a, I think a gaming, ideally gaming is a give and take. And I think that the players have, there's less things that they obviously have to do uh, on the upfront. And, you know, I think that's okay. And, but understanding the dynamics is the big th- I mean this that's everything is with these games man is trying to figure out what that looks like what's the dynamics what's what are people trying to get out of the game what do they prefer what do they not prefer and all that it's just rinse repeat man I just record this piece put it on the next episode hit freaking repeat and well, then you- and we got another four four hundred episodes. I mean, it's so it's so ridiculous. It it's and it's always a trope, and it's that. It, but it's not always easy to pull off. Like sitting down and going, "Hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? Are we all on the same page? Yes." And then making sure. I mean, getting six players to like the same game is, can be difficult. Is very difficult, man. I've got one guy in our Curse of Strahd game. He is not. It seems like he is not interested in the least, and. You know, it's not the type of game that he probably wants to play or things aren't going in a direction that he like, hey, this isn't adding up to me for for me for some reason. And that may be and that's, you know, like and that's the thing. And that one at one point, (laughs) Demon Grinder and I were talking a little bit about this, but sometimes it's just a matter of and people get stuck in these these groups. I don't say stuck, but they're in a group. They're friends. They've been with them for so long. There's no other game group out there that they, you could possibly fit into. And so you kind of like, well, it's kind of the deal. That's the way we roll. This is the, this is how we this is how we play. Yeah, yeah. And and eventually somebody may grow out of that. You know, some they, they get a taste of something else that's kind of cooler to them for whatever reason. They get exposed t- to different tasting foods, and they're like, man, I'm steaking steak and potatoes is really great. But every once in a while, man, I love freaking sushi roll. And if my group's never, ever going to eat sushi, I either got to come to grips with that or I got to move on. And it, it's, it's just the way it is. And so anyways, I, I think that – but I don't know. I think some of the, the stuff can be reinforced back towards the game master by players as well. We've set the ground rules and we say, hey, this is what we're going to play. This is how we're going to play it. If the group relies on Brett or Sean to every other session say, so are we still enjoying Curse of Strahd or would we like to bail and play something else? 
if the game master is the only one, once we've agreed to play, you are stuck playing, then the game master is the only player at the table who has the power for some reason to stop the game and say, I don't like this. Right. So the other component here is, you know, grown up time, whereas players, I have had players in my home group say, I don't like that game. My buddy JR, he's not interested in my World of Darkness game right now. He doesn't have time. He's got the shit he's doing. He's like, you know what? You guys have fun without me. That's fine. Nick was running Star. That's, but that's what you should good do. on him for saying that and stepping up and saying, hey, and it's good on you for not getting pissed off or pissy about yeah. it. Right? Nick, Nick loves Star Wars. He got a hold of me and said, I want to run a Star Wars game a while back. He said, I know Star Wars isn't your big thing. You've said that before. I said, yeah, Nick. I said, but I'll be there. I'll play a support character. I'll have a good time. I'm ready to give this a go. Lenny said, I'm just not interested. I'm going to, I'm going to set this one out. Totally fine. Nick is not offended. Lenny's not offended. We're actually more offended if you sit at the table and whine and complain and hate it. And mope and act like you don't want to be there. Get up and find a reason. Never show up. Be late. Be a dick. Whatever. And that's where I think from that I have fun if you have fun perspective, if you are not enjoying it, if you have something, one of the things players can do is say, you know what? I see you all are having fun. I don't have to be here. Let's go. But it doesn't um, It doesn't always have to be the game master who's in charge of the morale of the group, <laughs> who's in charge of everything else. You know, and I think that's this is where... Again, when we have these expectation settings, discussions and stuff, some of this comes down to telling the players as well, if they're not used to it, I need you to tell me if you're not having fun. Even if you don't want to say it in front of God and everybody, bring it up, say, Sean, I'm not having fun with Curse of Strahd. Would you be mad if I don't play? And Sean says, no, dude, thanks. I appreciate you telling me so. Don't even worry about it. I'm going to use your character as an NPC for a while because I, I need the I need the muscle. But you know what? I'll get you on the next one. That sounds good, Sean. Thank you so much. That is some grown-up level shit, which we should do more often. And again, from a, the role of the GM perspective, that's almost where it's like a GM sharing component where that piece, that trad world where the game master has to ask you, are you having fun? Are you having fun? Are you having fun? Can revert to the player where the player raised their hand and said, I am not enjoying this. I see everybody else's, so I'm going to leave. If there's eight of you having a good time playing Dungeon Grinder game and you were like, I am thespian actor person. I have not been able to thespian actor at all because this is a goddamn dungeon crawl. I'm out. Love you. I'll be back later when you play Call of Cthulhu again or whatever else. But I just don't like this. So having said that, going back to kind of changing up my GM style, one of the things that I'm posting every after every session is two questions. Well, kind of. Two things. One, what what one thing did you enjoy most in the last session? Oh. Either something you did, something another character did, or something else that happened. Okay? Yeah. And then the other question I ask is, what one thing would you like to see in a future session? Every time. If it's crickets or it's something really vague, I will poke. Like, hey, I liked RPG. I like RPN. Okay, maybe session two, RPN's the way to go. But down the road, if I keep hearing just, oh, it's RP, it, uh, maybe that's fine, right? Yep. Or it's, what did you like about the role playing? Right? Tell, I need a little bit more. Can you give me more? But one thing I don't want to have happen. You're, you're, it, coaching, you're, you're coaching your players to give you better immediate feedback. 
And they're positive and responses. They're not yes, negatives. They're not like, what don't you like? It's like, what's good? What did you have a lot of fun with? I really like this part. Even if all they say is, I like this part. And you're like, oh, that was two seconds. Shit. More of that, please. <laughs> you'll, you'll drag that in next time. So I like it. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, and Hobbs does that too. I mean, I give him some credit too. He'll, he'll say, hey, what'd you like in the last session? You know, tell me, tell me about that. Or, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to move forward with, you know, on this or that? And so I think, and that's, I mean, there are, G, this isn't, some GMs are like, that's exactly what I do. And, and those, but I didn't often do that before. And so it was just always, again, this is a group, specifically the the group of, with the Curse of Strahd, it's just always kind of like, well, it's the book, right? It's the same book. Why is anything going to change? Why should I have to ask? I already know the deal. And that's me changing stuff up so that it's not going to either bog me down, get me bummed out, or um, not cater to what the players are looking for specifically. And frankly, if the players don't chime in, hey, guess what? You don't get what you like because I can't read your mind. So if there's no feedback, then I could just expect that status quo is good. You know, the one of the things you're saying here I think is really – because you're talking about your home group, but it reminded me of when I had a blow up with my crew and whatnot. I took it for granted. And you start off saying that, look, I've known Jeff for 30 years, blah, blah, blah. I should know this. I should know this. And there become, there is a time where we get in a rut of whatever that is. And like, what's the GM's role? Well, the GM's in charge of everything. I want him to do this. I want him to do that. I want him to do this. How have we got here? Well, we got here because I've been gaming with Jeff for 30 years and it just piled into a thing. It's it's just a status quo thing, and it needs to be shaken up periodically. And I think this, what we've been talking about, and I think this is, it, it's interesting, you know, what is, what's the role of the GM is almost this wonderful call to action in a way that Todd's given us here. And like, how, what is, what are you supposed to be doing? If you say, well, it's obvious, really? Let me know. Lay it out there. And if you have it, and you and your group all approve of it, and that's exactly what you all agreed to, bully, go for it. You got this. But it might be worth looking at saying, is the only way that you're having fun is if five other people at your table have fun? That's a lot of stress. That's a lot of stress. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It can be. And not everybody likes that pressure. I, for one, don't mind the pressure. I kind of like it. I like doing really well and blah, 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 blah. I love that. However, there is something to be said for how crushing it can feel when it's not going well. <laughs> you know, and the, and and so on. But anyway, it's just it, it's it's an interesting thought to go at it and say, what am I expected to do at the table as a game master? Am I really the only person who can? You know, I, I'm relying on five other people to have fun. Uh, am I the only one who can ask the group, "Are you having fun?" Am I the only one that ever solicits feedback? You know, that's a lot of work, a lot well, of pressure. Players talk too. I mean, it's it's complete bullshit if you don't if you don't think your players are talking amongst themselves about your game. Your I say your game, right? There we go, right? So, well, that's a classic parlance, man. As you call, it's the game master's game. I'm just playing in it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's it's their world. Yeah, it's their world. I just play. I just I'm just borrowing it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's goofy. So we've done this long enough, but Todd, Mr. Crapper, I apologize. We probably totally butchered what you're trying to get at. So if you would, please, sir, um, explain yourself better or <laughs> help us understand if we completely missed the mark. And if anybody else out there listens to this, 
um, back and forth and think, oh, my God, you missed a goddamn point. Lay out on us whatever you think the point is. And um, what do you think the role of the Game Master is? Um, and what games, If perhaps we did, didn't even get a chance to dive into this yet, but some games may well have really cool mechanics or help facilitate a style of game mastering that's better than some of the trad stuff Sean and I started with here. So I honestly see this as kind of a, a first part of this discussion. And with some good feedback from listeners, we might crack into another episode at some point and tear into little different bits and pieces. Hit the high-level stuff here, basic gut check type of uh, explanations, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Is that good? Sounds good. Let's get into die rule. Die rule! Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery want to bring to you Craig. Craig, he wrote in last week. He's got a YouTube channel. So, um, plays RPGs there. So I'll put a link to his YouTube ch- channel, um, so people could check that out. The second one is Token Stamp. Uh, so if you, I, I've seen a couple listeners. Mr. Jared Rasher was quite impressed with Owlbear uh, Rodeo. Uh, if you want to, you can use Token Stamp with uh, Make Quick Tokens and drop them into Owlbear Rodeo relatively quickly, and it's a great resource for creating tokens for any virtual tabletop. God damn. Yeah, nice. upload the image, put a freaking circle around it, you download it, boom, token. Done and done. Done and done. Uh, that's another see. thing players can do. They can make their own damn tokens. Striker. That's <laughs> true. Um, next one, DCC Humble Bumble. Humble Bumble. Hum, humble Bumble. Supports the Red Cross. Thanks, Larry. Uh, does wrap up 20 days as of this recording, not when you hear it. But if you want DCC, man, it's got, I mean, I don't know if it's the entire DCC library, but it is a button of DCC stuff. Yeah. Humble Bundle is the place to get anything and everything you've ever wanted from something. <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot of stuff in it. It's a buttload of shit cool. for a really low price. Um, Living Atlas. This one comes from Veche, Veche in Illinois, uh, better known as VC, la English. Um, Living Atlas. So if you want some real life data or some interesting maps, um, check that out. I'll tell you, man, VC does some amazing cartography work. Yes. He does some really good stuff. So if he's pointing you at this, this is a good resource. So thank you, VC. That's good. And then good, the good, last good. one, I think Larry pointed out as well, Flames of Freedom, Grim and Perilous, powered by Zweihander. Um, no, it's a Kickstarter till November 4th, which is coming up soon. It is fully funded. Big bucks time. Um, check this out. Yeah, they're calling American Gothic Horror, powered by Zweihander. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So if you like Zweihander and you like uh, the, the, the era then that's something to check out for sure. Other than that, that's it for Die Roll, man. Cool. What are we talking about next week, Brad? We got a request talking about Game Master screens, so we're going to talk about GM screens a little bit. And uh, DM we'll... screens? Well, come on now. We're in the digital world. Brett, do these, those things even exist anymore? I actually pulled my first edition one out on uh, Tuesday because I had the hit charts on it. <laughs> so I had it laying in front of me here so I could see them while I was working the screen, so. Definitely we'll easier about. than paging through the DMG. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Cool, man. 
We'll see how it goes. Sweet. Looking forward to that one. So, do you use a DM screen, Brett? You said you um, did. I was for the first edition because I wanted the charts. I've got a nice first edition old school GM screen that had the charts I wanted easily available. But other than that, I usually don't because I tend to forget what the hell is on the goddamn screen. I'm telling you, man, I still want to be, I want to still build the super duper ultra, ultra wide, ultra high GM screen. I'm going to take all the ones that Watsy's ever put out. You're going to go old school like Gary and the guys used to and hide yourself full body screen so you're hidden behind it. Build it yeah. all up and out. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, it's this chart. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, live here on Twitch.tv. Uh, we record Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. Won't you join us, please? Otherwise, if you see this on YouTube, give us a like or a subscribe. And you can find this show, obviously, a couple days later uh, via your favorite podcatcher of choice. Cool, man. For Gaming and BS, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Grand Miner, Corey Wynn, Craig Shipman, AWOL Trooper, Quigley Malcolm, Larry House, Obscurus Dominus, Isaiah Aries Christian, The Duke in Purple, Jay Plata, Phil McClory, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Jason Weeb, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Daniel Garrett, Jim Ingram, Curtis Hinson, Rory Weston, Mike Hess Jr., Ghost GM, Mark Soam, Hus Caro, Eric Tavola, Henry Newcomb, Melissa Bishinsky, Harrigan, David F. Baylog, Brian Rumble, Jeff Goad, Niall Diamond, Corey Gonzalez, John Kayward, Jeff Seifert, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Perry Besor, Larry Laramie Wall, Brian Kurtz, Robert Nemeth, George Sedgwick, Eric Salzwedel, Angus, Howard Bishop, Craig Sky, Thomas Hook, Ra- Mark Richmond, Ron Bishop, Larry Hout, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Ray Otis, Jared Rasher, Stephen Dragonspawn, Roger Braslett, Craig Huber, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValley, Pure Mongrel, Mark DeSaka, Jason Hobbs, Chris Steele, Andy Hall, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Old School DM, Ed Nyes, Adam Grojohn, Josh Wallace, Chad Glayman, Corey Welch, Brett Bozinski, Rich Wishon, Merkel Froelich, Aaron Relia, Curtis Takahashi, and Joe Swick. Hey, I don't know if you are aware of this, but we do have our own online community and forums. Head over to forums.gamingandbs.com. Introduce yourself. Partake in the RPG conversation that's going on over there. We'd love to see you. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.